This is the Teacher Mindset Coach Podcast, episode number 33. Hey, teachers, welcome to the podcast where we do the hard work to uplevel ourselves and have fun along the way. I'm your host, Ashley Wolf, and I'm here to help you rock your world with mindset stories, strategies, and skills that you've probably never been taught before. Let's do the damn thing. Hello, everyone. I have been thinking about all of you this past week. This is, I'm recording this on Memorial Day, Monday, the 30th of May, 2022. And it's hard to keep track of the days, but I think it was exactly a week ago was the Uvalde school shooting. And so I've been very conflicted just in my own personal experience with how to step up as a coach during these times. Every time something like this shows up in our world and I have a chance to speak up for what I consider to be the most important part of a person's existence is mental health because I'm of the camp of people that I believe that our brain is our biggest asset and sometimes the, our biggest ass. (laughs) It's an asset and an ass, our good old brain. But what I'm saying is mental health, I think can be cornered as one of the most important and most prioritized, or should be, in my opinion, one of the most prioritized um, parts of life that humans have the opportunity to prioritize. And so in this episode, I don't know if I really have a lot of, you know, words of wisdom. I don't have five tips on how to navigate tough times, but I think I might be able to touch on a little bit of that a little bit of how I cope with situations like these when they happen. And then how do I bring that into my daily life as a teacher, even though a lot of us are officially on summer break at the moment, what do we do whenever we show up for school every day in the back of our mind thinking we could be next? So I want to touch on those topics today in the podcast, and it really is with a heavy heart because after the, after the event, I start, you know, everyone starts to have an opinion and everyone starts to speak up and I'm all for the first amendment rights, but sometimes I find myself rolling my eyes and you know, that that's part of my work to do my mental work to do because I do have to remind myself, I can't control the humans. Number one, when they start speaking up and I disagree They are totally allowed to be saying exactly what they want to say because I come from the stance of, and what they say has no power over what I choose to think. I always kind of come back to that. And also I don't want to be part of the, you know, stage of people who are like speaking up now during a crisis and capitalizing on it. So that's also what I've has been very heavy on my heart this week is when I 
when I speak out, when I speak up, it's not because I want for my opinion to seem like the the number one thing. But what I want to do is to be able to help people. When I speak up and when I speak out and when I put these podcast episodes out in the wake of a crisis like Uvalde, I want my information and my content to be of immediate uh, importance and support to my listeners, to my teachers. So the first thing that I do whenever I am, you know, told and made be, been made aware about a crisis like this is for me personally, and this might just be the librarian in me, although I know tons of people are just really good at this and, and namely teachers, we're just really good at this. I go on the hunt for the truth. And I also have probably been conditioned to not believe the first three or four stories that are told to me, even if I'm seeing them on the news. Now, that might be part of my, um, you know, untrusting nature. Uh, I might get it from my dad. You know, he thinks that everything's a conspiracy. <laughs> yesterday, we're having a ton of work done on our house. And yesterday, he thought that one of the painters was loading up our ladder into his truck. And then I asked my dad, I said, because he was coming up with his whole theory about how this painter how, you know, they do this kind of stuff. And I'm like, come on, dad. And I said, well, dad, have you checked the shed? Have you put eyes on our ladder that you think is now in the back of this poor guy's truck? And he said, no. And so what I, that kind of is an example of, um, you know, have I checked for the truth? Have I just believed the first thing that I've been told? And so I always want to hold this in suspension for myself whenever there's big news or whenever there's a crisis happening and I feel myself starting to go into drama mode and like, I can't believe this and what is the world coming to? I just try to calm myself down and say, okay, I'm going to go on a hunt for the truth. I'm going to hold space, which just means I'm just not going to react to what I've been told because I think there's there's nothing wrong with it for me personally. There's a, there's a moment in time between the receiving of the information and the reaction to the information and what I think we can get good at and what I personally want to get good at and what I'm offering to you as a possibility is we can take a breath and take a moment and maybe a few moments more than what we're used to. And we can just sit with what we've been told and not react. And I think especially in times where it's completely out of our control, as far as the news is concerned, when it's out of our control, we sit, we think without reaction, and that helps us form our response. So throughout the receiving of of information about the Uvalde school shooting, I've been just reminding myself there's always going to be something more. There's always going to be something more, more information. And I'm just going to sit with like the few times that I'm going to sit and say, well, I just don't know. Like one of my, one of my family members, uh, through marriage, she's in a different state. And on Facebook, she asked me all these detailed questions about the gunman's motive and 
what they did and why they did it. And I really kind of wanted my first reaction was to go into expert mode, like, oh, well, this is what I think happened. And then I was like, well, wait a second. I don't want to put out false information. I don't want to be responsible for making something up just to satisfy a person asking a question because that was my desire. Like, I want to be the pe- the person who answers questions. But I simply stated to her Facebook comment, I just replied, I really just don't know. And then I think I put none of us do. So that's something that uh, holding space for the truth and knowing that it might take time, days, weeks, months is something that I'm getting better at, especially when things are out of my control. And that helps me stay calm when all I want to do is react and comment on how the world is going to hell in a handbasket. When I find myself going down that road of everything circling the drain, that's an indicator to me personally that my um, scared brain, my ass brain (laughs) is taking over because that primal part of our brain wants us to believe that the world is circling the drain and that nothing is getting better out of a sense of safety, like keeping us safe, keeping us in our homes, keeping us in the, in the primal cave, that primal part of our brain, it's like, that's its number one job to keep us thinking the same thing we've always thought for efficiency, to avoid pain, right? Denial and to seek pleasure and staying home and safe in your cozy cave is the primal brain winning out over our prefrontal cortex. Because our prefrontal cortex is like, no, no, it's going to be fine. We can show up to school. We can show up to work. We don't have to cower in the cave just because something's going on in the world. So it's like, it's this dance, it's this conversation. And what I always have to remind myself of is, which one am I going to listen to? In the beginning of last year, there was a a speaker at our convocation for my school district. And he said, it's better to talk to yourself rather than listen to yourself. And as a life coach, that spoke to me right away. And so whenever I had my, um, my mindset training for my staff last August, I brought that up and I said, here's how you do that. The way you talk to yourself is by tapping into the intelligence that is in your prefrontal cortex and you tell yourself things that make sense, such as it really is going to be okay. Yes, this is awful, but I'm safe right now. Yes, this is awful. And I am going to continue to receive factual truth. And then listening to yourself is almost taking those immediate thoughts like, what's the world coming to? Which really, that question serves no one. There is no good answer to that question unless you're like, the world is coming to greater and greater, um, I don't even know the word possibilities. Like if you're not going to take a positive stance and answer to that question, don't ask it. Your brain will come up with the best negative malarkey so that you can be scared. I'm telling y'all, 
if you ask yourself, what's the world coming to? And you listen to your first instinctual answers, you will want to go hide. (laughs) I invite you to try that little experiment with yourself. And then once your habitual thoughts start to take over, and this this is part of our work, when we prioritize our mindset, when we prioritize our mental health, we are making a decision to take control of the the way we think about life, the way we think about ourselves. And so when we say, okay, I'm going to talk to myself more than listen to myself, when you listen to what's been going on in your head your entire life, it's going to sound so true. It's going to sound so real. And at first you're going to be like, how in the hell am I going to not believe this? It's almost like reporting the weather. The world's going to shit and the sky is blue. They are both true. It's like, no, you can actually say the sky is blue and I'm going to choose a better thought that serves me and all the rest of humanity (laughs) that isn't trying to convince me that the world's going to complete crap. So another thing that I do whenever I am starting to feel very, very nervous about being a teacher, very, very weary about my profession and my safety and all of this, is I just start naming things around me that are true. And I was helping a client with this the other day where I had her just say, okay, just sit and notice all of the things that are true for you right this very second. And so we started going through some things. We're sitting in a chair in the library started to name things, holding a pen. I'm 26 years old or me, I'm 41. Um, you know, it's the last day of school. Um, I am a librarian. We just started naming facts and what that does and what that can do with practice. Cause it does take practice. It's not just immediate is it helps to calm the nervous system down. If you have, Listen to my episode, which is the number one episode on my podcast, by the way. It's called Get Back to Sleep. There's a time when I say, get out of your head and into your body. And that's with, you know, some breathing and also like rubbing your fingertips together and like really just noticing with your five senses. Namely, for me, it's the sense of touch, like rubbing my fingertips together helps me get out of my mind chatter that's keeping me awake and into just the nervous system of my body. But in times of crisis, when we are reacting physically to it, some call it a panic attack. You don't have to call it a panic attack. My coach brain says that is a really dramatic way of of describing something where your body is just reacting to what your brain is thinking about. A panic attack by name can be so vastly different for each individual and An individual can choose to describe it in a different way so that it's not so effing dramatic. And it doesn't even have to be a thing. Like, I just don't feel good right now. I mean, that's probably what I would say. I'm not going to give it some other title. I don't believe that I have panic attacks, but I know that there are times when I feel very stressed. And I think I've had a panic attack before when I was thinking about being underwater in a scuba diving suit and then my respirator flying out of my mouth. 
I was teaching fifth grade at a time. I know this is a throwback story. I was teaching fifth grade at the time, and one of my sweet students was trying to describe something to me from a story, and I was sitting there, and my eyes were blinking really, really fast, and I felt like I was just going to fall over out of my chair. And it was because of this flashback that I had from a couple weeks prior of being underwater and uh, like having um, salt water in my in my mouth and I swallowed it down and I was coughing into my respirator. And then at the very same time, like a, a five foot nurse shark, harmless, they say, <laughs> headed straight for me. So I was flashing back to that moment while this poor little fifth grader was trying to explain, you know, the problem solution of a story. But panic attack is not a uh, end all be all of descriptors. So if you have this going on in your life and you want to try describing it as something else that's a little more basic and a little less dramatic, I challenge you to do that. And if it if it works out for you, awesome. So whenever I start to feel stressed and my mind is racing, I just start to state what is true. Sitting in a truck, 41 years old. My name is Ashley Wolf. I'm breathing right now. I am a teacher. Today is Monday, May 30th. And this could be something that helps you calm your nervous system down. When your nervous system is overreacting to something that's going on in your brain, aka a panic attack, then you can have some steps that are just very basic, pretty much all in your head, and rub your two fingertips together or rub your hands together and just really focus in on that. Focus in on your breath. Close your eyes and know that this will pass. This will pass. So that's another thing that you can try if that's beneficial to you. And so now whenever people's opinions start to come in and come in and come in at me, and all I see are people's opinions about what teachers should do and what the lawmakers should do, and I start to get really overwhelmed with it because I agree with some of it and I don't agree with some of it. And I just feel like sometimes everybody has an opinion and and teachers are just sitting here being told what to do and given more to do. I remind myself kind of like what I said in the beginning, everyone has a First Amendment right to their opinion. Simply because I'm reading someone's opinion on social media or listening to someone's opinion on the news does not mean I have to own that opinion either. So I I keep giving myself the responsibility of what I believe and what I think. And if you've been with me for a while, you know that a belief is a thought or a string of thoughts that you have practiced so much so in your mind and in your life, usually over time, that it becomes truth. It becomes truth. And you can always challenge a belief if you want to, but you don't have to. That's the beauty of mindset work is you can challenge and question and and wonder about anything you want in your life. And you can wonder and challenge and question other people's opinions, or you can just let it pass like a thought conveyor belt. You're standing there, all the thoughts are coming and going, all the thoughts are coming and going. Some of the thoughts repeat themselves and they show up again. You are the one who really is in control of, 
I'd like to pick up this little thought and look at it. I'd like to pick up this little thought and pop it into my brain. This one feels good to me. This one serves me well. So that's something that I do when the plethora of opinions and thoughts come in during times like these. And it seems like I just want to put my phone down and just stop scrolling. And that's totally fine too. But it's like, well, what am I going to do though in my mind? I'm going to decide that I get to believe and think exactly the way that serves me highest in my life. And so in times like this, you're going to have choices. You're going to have decisions to make. And I I really encourage us, since we are the people who are doing this thought work, I encourage all of us to be the ones who sit, hold space, basically just wait for what feels true to you. Don't react necessarily, but take a few breaths, hold that space, observing, and then deciding This is what I'd like to take with me. This is what I'd like to start practicing as a thought. This is what I'd like to believe. We really are in the driver's seat, even during times of crisis when it seems like everything's out of control. We are always in the driver's seat of our thoughts. So with that, I'm going to end and wish you a wonderful Memorial Day and an incredible summer I will be talking to you every week as usual, and next week I will pick back up with the Fun Committee Part 2. See you next time. Bye-bye. If you got something out of today's show, I invite you to subscribe so you never miss a future episode. I'd also love to see you in the Teacher Mindset Coach Facebook group so we can nerd out on mindset work as a community of badass teachers. And remember, you can always email me at coachwithwolf, W-O-L-F-E, at gmail.com. Now go be awesome. See you next time.